0: The Imprint Companion Podcast is, of course, brought to you by Imprint Films. Imprint Films is a brand-new Australian boutique Blu-ray label. Check them out for limited-edition deluxe Blu-ray releases of long-requested and previously unreleased films.
1: Check out the past and future releases online at imprintfilms.com.au. You can follow Imprint Films on Twitter at imprint or one word, on Instagram at Imprint Films, no space, and finally on the Facebook
0: page at Imprint AU. Welcome back to the Imprint Companion, the only podcast on the Australian internet about DVD culture. I am your host, Lexi Toliopoulos, and I'm joined by one of the greatest modern podcasters of the modern era. (laughs) (laughs) As if they've been going on for decades and decades. From the Paleolithic era. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joined by the Zodiac Chronicles, Blake Howard, one of my favourite film critics and favourite film minds in this country, Australia. How are you?
1: Oh, my friend, Alexi Toliopoulos, the co-host of the incredible Finding Drago, Finding Desperado series (laughs) and Total Reboot, mate. Apart from the sweet and delectable physical media that we get to hold mm-hmm. we get to touch we get to embrace together uh this is my favorite podcast to do because it's just you and me shooting the breeze talking oh. breeze.
0: I love it and of course, here on this podcast, we unbox, we unpack, and we unveil the releases from Australia's brand new boutique Blu-ray label, Imprint Films. This is the second of two episodes on December 2020 drop, and we're talking Imprints 26, 27, and 28, a small town alien abduction noir, Robert Lieberman's Fire in the Sky, a cautioning tale of rabies on a Mexican border town in Gilbert. Gascon's Rage and a hairy underwater treasure hunt in Peter Yates' The Deep Shall we begin with Fire in the Sky
1: How does it think What makes it move Why
0: does it breathe Questions Anyone would ask about a man If they'd never seen one Before In 1975, a group of five men are driving home after working in a forest when they see a mysterious light. Intrigued, Travis Walton, DB Sweeney, leaves the truck only to be sucked up by a flying saucer. The other four men report the strange events, but they are skeptically interrogated by Lieutenant Frank Waters, James Garner, who suspects that murder is behind Walton's disappearance. When Walton reappears five days later, his story of alien abduction is met with disbelief. Blake, this is the only film in this entire batch that I had seen before. Had you seen it before?
1: Never. And I hadn't seen, and what I try and do with the batches just so that everyone knows, and like, we'll probably repeat along the shows is if I haven't seen them, I try and watch all our batches in chronological order and try and read nothing about them when I watch them. Cause that's, you know, one of the unfortunate things about someone like Alexia and myself is like, usually movies that we really want to see, we've read everything. And I treasure being able to find stuff that I haven't seen before. So I check this out and credit to the structure that Lieberman actually does, it feels like a gritty noir right from the start. Like it doesn't Mm. feel like an alien abduction movie at the beginning. It feels like a bunch of guys are hiding a murder of one of their friends. They've agreed to a story about he's magically disappeared and they're all going to lie about it. And I think I like the energy in fire in the sky a lot from the beginning. Like it it does genuinely Mm. feel like a noir. It feels really good. It's got a pretty great cast, um, like sort of underrated B cast, but like all very good actors along the way. Um, and it's, it does have like amazing practical effects in it. Like when it does go to the alien abduction stuff, it is legit creepy and there's just Mm. something about like, what doesn't age well, like this is a movie made in 1993. What doesn't age well is special effects that are digital from, you know, the sort of late nineties now, but practical yeah. effects where people are sliding through slimy goo and cocoons and weird, like Ken you know, uh, uh, aliens are like prodding mm. at you and things like that. Yeah. I, I kind of, I, I kind of dug this. I like, I dug, I, I, there's a, a great Thomas Vinterberg movie called the hunt. With Matt yeah. Mikkelsen, and in that movie, a town turns against a guy who they feel, well, who they who is accused of being a pedophile. And the movie, I think, sides with him that he's not, but just the thought that he is makes the whole town exp- like implode mm. on itself. And what I liked about Fire in the Sky is some of those elements. It's like once you tell a small town that a guy's been abducted by aliens and he's missing for a period of time, like they think that everyone is a liar. They think that everyone's nonsense. They bring all this unnecessary attention to the town. They feel like they're just hiding. That they've done something awful. And then when he turns back up, D.B. Sweeney's character turns back up. It's like, it changes the whole the whole nature of the movie for me. And it's like, it's it's mm. it, I, I had some really good elements in it. What I, I've got to ask you, when did you see it? And was it part of film school? Because I would imagine that something like this, like whether it was, was it a cult flick or was it a mm. study flick? Cause like, it feels like it's got both those elements in it.
0: It's a bit of both because I saw it in 2015 when I was back studying at film school and uh, because it's like a cult, it's like a true cult film where it's like not very well known of even in like mainstream film talk audiences. Um, I can't, I found out about it because I, at the time I wanted to like make paranormal short films. I made like this ghost story comedy as my first one, like a haunted house one. And um, I really want to like kind of play in that idea of like investigation, uh, paranormal things. And it just popped up on a list somewhere. So I specially ordered it from the library at the film <laughs> school and i watched it and i was like this is just okay but yeah. the alien abduction sequence like on the mothership is phenomenal like incredibly yeah. intense and imaginative filmmaking and incredible practical effects on the second watch though i thought i kind of appreciated everything onto like verging on love really yeah. i'm so close to just going like i love this movie now there's <laughs> almost like this small town back to Chemino in our previous episode, a, like vibe of the deer hunter, like the way yeah. that uh, instead of like the Vietnam war, like traumatically tearing this friendship apart, it's this one friend getting abducted and it's ripped through their friendship group. And there's so much of this movie, like the framing device I really like with that noir touches that you talked about before, how it's like that zoom in camera. It's yes. like, where is it? And all that stuff. And then we've got like this cut back to their life before this happened. And it's quite idyllic, this small town life. It really does feel like if anything, like the D hunter mixed with like uh, the X files or something. <laughs> and that, abduction is still like absolutely stellar filmmaking it's the intersection of artistry craft and technique to create something really spectacular and even beyond just like the practical effects i think the score is great all the performances like uniformly really work uh and to me now the standout is it's bill pope is the cinematographer on this he's like legendary legend one of like the legendary cinematographers, I think that his cinematography on this is like, holy work like there's this great sequence like this is the guy that did freaking spider-man and the matrix and scott pilgrim like he is one of the legendary cinematographers also clueless like another beautifully well shot
1: (laughs) what a what a absolutely candy colored delight that fucking movie absolutely
0: (laughs) clueless would be a great imprint like movie i would say would be perfect for this label yes but there's this one shot where we cut to back to uh, D.B. Sweeney on the mothership mm. and it's like he's feeling this traumatic moment and he hides underneath the kitchen table and there's this incredibly intense uh, build up of suspense where through a drip of maple syrup pouring oh. off the table hitting his lip and sending him back like Depends PTSD trauma style yeah. to the mothership and it is phenomenal filmmaking Cause yeah. it's just a little bit silly, but they pay it with such drama that it just like, I think this is a really great movie. I'm fully in love with it. And I think this release is truly hectic. It's a, yeah. such a sick release.
1: And let's let's i'll get to what your best special feature is because there there are a ton of special features on here there's a brand new 2020 robert Lieberman um uh, audio commentary there's practical effects which is a stack of um uh people from the original film harley jessup and michael owens from ilm who are incredible but there's a couple of really cool, like Mark Isham, who is the composer, but there's a couple mm. of great actor ones on here, which is like, it, unfortunately, because of 2020, they will, probably would have been in face interviews, but it, they actually yeah. just recorded vocally and they do these little video essays for you. One with Robert Patrick. So, coming fresh off T1000, looking for new roles, he says he put on weight for this movie. Yeah. And he, I mean, how much he, he looks just, the same. He looks yeah. exactly the same. He just looks like yeah. Robert Patrick with long hair. But man, you just touched on Bill Pope directing Spider Man literally D.B. Sweeney in this movie, like does the most entourage shit of all time. Cause he's like, yeah. I knew that James Cameron had the rights to Spider-Man. So that's why I did this movie. Cause I knew I'd get to work with ILM. And if they found out that I was amazing doing all this wire work and stuff, mm-hmm. and I did all my own stunts that maybe they would tell someone like, Oh, D.B. Sweeney's great he could play Spider-Man. And so for yeah. me, the price of admission for these special features is like hearing D.B. Sweeney like drop like his actor career goals yeah. in in like really as nakedly like going back to 993. like i want to be spider-man and it's like so weird now because of course in 2021 now as we're talking people mm. want to be spider-man or want to be a superhero or wish they could get a chance to play in marvel or whatever but it's just funny hearing debbie sweeney reflect on it like that's why i did this movie i knew they'd work with ilm and i knew that yeah. that would mean that that would give me a chance to get cast in something else and it was just such a funny like really honest and apart from all the great craft work, it's just like Mm. a dude, like wearing his heart on his sleeve, like admitting that he wanted to be Spider-Man.
0: And it's a really great performance. And it's like a great insight into it as well. I think he's fabulous in this film. And I agree with you. That story fucking rocks. (laughs) It's such a good story.
1: (laughs) It does. I was like, this, this fucking rules. Um, I think that the slip uh, in our slip or no slip, Mm. um, the, the, the light shining down as a DB Sweeney's character and catching him on the front slip cover is so fucking awesome on this front cover. That that's probably my favorite yeah. The inside is so beautiful too. red tint again, looks more animated and, and hand drawn, mm. but I, I love, I love the slip cover on this bad boy.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's the original poster for it. And that's actually that poster with that cool title based on true story underneath it. I think fire in the sky that poster is why I even watched the movie in the first place. Why I got the library to get it. Cause I'm like, that looks really cool. Yes. It looks like a science fiction, like pulp fiction, novel cover. And I will say as well, this might be my pick of the batch yeah. because there's one special feature on here fear from above the practical effects of fire in the sky that is so well produced. And it's got this great interview, uh, that, I think that this is like a great addition because it's a film that's not that well-known, but it has like this cult audience and the care and craft they've put into the special features on this release, the supplements, especially for 2020 release where they had to like kind of figure out a new way of how to make special features for something like this. I think it's really effective and it's the exact kind of release that I hope from a boutique label to be where it's going to introduce people to these films that are kind of important but they don't know about them and this is an important film when it comes to special practical effects and then you've got this like wealth of special features that highlight all the artistry and craft behind films whether they be on camera stuff actual camera stuff like bill pope uh score soundtrack and then like two actors that you never hear ever talking about no. their acting or performances like, ever no
1: never db sweeney getting a sh- getting a shot to share his spider-man story fucking this yeah. movie yeah totally great oh look that's good We're, like, well i love when we don't quite have the same pick of the bunch, mm. but that means that this might be batch worthy. Like, this might be a batch worthy baby. You know, if we've got multiple, Absolutely. multiple top picks. Now, I'm going to jump into the next one, which is spine number 27. It is Rage, starring Glenn Ford and Stella Stevens. It's a man bit by a rabid dog, goes overland with a prostitute to get treated in time before the rabies takes over. It is a massive ray, rabies cautionary tale movie. <laughs> What and a and one of the weirdest road movies of all time, Alexi. What did you think of this weird little movie with Superman's dad?
0: Uh, I was kind of into it. It's an odd movie. I love a blended like genre mashup. Yeah, and I think that this one is an interesting one because you know it's a contemporary film to the 1960s, like it's set in the 1960s. Yes, but it is. Completely a western but it's yeah. also um you know you don't see a movie like this in the western genre that's about like kind of like a plague like this rabies plague movie as well like this kind of disease disaster pandemic movie and uh, it, doesn't um, it
1: also have this very paternal kind of guilt of like a prostitute can save herself by marrying a doctor mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. got this other weird, like it is a weirdly like it's at really weird. It's a weirdly high concept movie that it's layering in these other mm. things, which ultimately delivers this really like straightforwardy kind of Western rabid thing, but it's got these other themes yeah. that are like, it's so weird it's trying to paint this really unique picture um but yeah it's 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 definitely weird and probably one of the leaner on the special features this is definitely just like one that people didn't want to lose um from glenn ford Mm. and stella stevens and so that's what it feels like to me it feels like making sure that this movie gets to live on in its in its weirdness and um and and so i i I, when i was watching this i was like man this is weird but it's not quite like it feels so quaintly weird because like in a lot mm. of the fear mongering sort of propagandistic movies that come out of this period where you're like fearing the government or fearing, uh, you know, pods from outer space or fearing stuff. This movie is so beautiful in its quaintness that it's like, it fears just being bitten by a dog, by a dog.
0: yeah. It's <laughs> so, I mean, it really is an odd one. Uh, one thing that I really liked about it is like how Western the score is like very twangy harmonica score. Yeah. And I, man, I, I got to say that this is an interesting one from like a restorative perspective yeah. because the opening title sequence for this film, like it's just like that kind of thing where the titles just keep going over the film. Um, it's very scratched up. Like this is a cracked out looking yeah. print that they've got. And then once the titles end, you're, uh, before, actually, it's very cracked out looking and throughout the entire title sequence and i was kind of going like it looks good still like the digital the digitized version of that screw of that film looks good uh and i also kind of dug like how scratchy it looked because i'm like this is a very exploitation type film yeah. grindhouse if you will i can enjoy it like that but then once the title sequence goes it looks near pristine yeah and i think shows like going like what they had to work with because a lot of time when it's like titles you can't really restore completely around them yeah. and uh it shows like what a good restoration job they've been able to apply to a film that is so unheard of <laughs> as rage
1: yeah yeah it's it's the most unknown one in this batch like i think this was like a sneaky like a lot of big hitters in this one, and so mm. yeah, like I, I was kind of surprised. So slip or no slip uh, for
0: this one? Oh, gosh, this is a tough one because I do like both. The in cover is, you know, it's a photograph from the movie that looks like a promotional thing, but I love like those nineteen sixties covers that they. I, got love, on the the, I love the I love the sixties cover too.
1: Yeah, the other mm. one is too. It leans too much on the fact that she's a drunken prostitute when they meet, and I'm just kind of like, I like the idolized Stella Stevens splash yeah. on that sixties cover.
0: On the 60s cover Yeah I agree Uh, And it also That 60s colour Like gets that cool balance That this movie does I mean like a 1960s film That at its core Is the genre of western Yes Like it looks like A western film But everyone's wearing Contemporary clothes on it (laughs) Yes And
1: pastels So many goddamn Mm -hmm. Pastels in this
0: movie So many It looks like it could be The cover for The Graduate (laughs)
1: Yes
0: (laughs) Shall we move on To our final film Let's do it From the number one bestseller by The author of Jaws this is The Deep. The Deep, an undersea adventure about a couple who become involved in a dangerous conflict with treasure hunters when they discover a deadly shipwreck in Bermudan waters. When they realize that the cachet includes morphine, the pair enlist the help of an old treasure hunter to escape the drug dealers who hid their product
1: amidst the sunken wreck this movie has one of the craziest fucking casts that has ever there ever existed not Mm -hmm. let's not talk about firstly nick nolte and jacqueline who obviously are who who are made stars out of this movie who launched their careers out of this movie let's park them for a second Mm -hmm. robert shaw and i have a question for you alexi what the fuck was eli wallach doing in this movie i don't understand i have just we've just both of us have watched godfather coda recently the death of Uh my portfolio and i saw eli wallach in that i just came to the deep and i was like what is this swashbuckling adventure that has some pretty weird haitian uh impressions of haitian people in it that kind Mm. of like uh dampened the you know the sunshine and the swashbuckling nature of this adventure, and then why the hell is Eli Wallach there? What is he doing? What what is going on? I think on? he was on holiday. I
0: think <laughs>
1: I think he was on holiday with his wife, but then he was like, "I'll do a movie for it." Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, look, I I had never seen The Deep. I'm a huge Jaws fan, of course, as most people mm-hmm. are. I was stoked to see this movie come up. Um, it has huge, uh, like it it has one of the most insane practical production, mm. like especially underwater production that I've ever seen. And yeah. uh, I mean, Nick Nolte looks as studly um, yeah. as a surfy fuck boy that you would have ever imagined in anything you've ever seen. Let's forget let's, you know, obviously we're just sort of dancing around Jacqueline Bessette's wet t-shirt that breaks the wet t-shirt mold for for the mm-hmm. rest of them. But Um, Nick Nolte is terrific in this. Robert Shaw's back in another Peter Benchley movie, basically playing like a more upper class Quint. Um, It's not a (laughs) total. It's it's like
0: so funny that Robert Shaw is the movie star in this movie. That gets the movie greenlit. I think that's so
1: funny. I I do not even want to talk about this movie uh, and this release of this movie without calling for. Maybe one of the greatest and unexpected gifts that you could ever receive putting in this movie is yeah. going, Oh, there's a commentary track. Who's that by? Mm. Wait. Actress, director, and producer, <laughs> Ileana Douglas, the great former spouse of Martin Scorsese, and and she's been in four million movies, including Scorsese's Cape yeah. Fear. And you're like And Goodfellas. And Goodfellas, why would would Ileana Douglas want to talk about this? And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, The Deep is a, a totally very interesting and fun movie in some parts that's dated pretty mm. badly with some yes. you know, um, depictions of sort of, I don't know, fear mongering around Haitian people and and black magic and whatnot. It's just it kind of has aged badly. But, you, you know, these are the things you could possibly overlook Ileana Douglas's commentary track, which includes her saying, I know that no one's listening to what I'm saying right now because Jacqueline Bissette's wet t-shirt is on screen, may be the greatest gift in this entire batch. This is like the Uh. perfect, most unexpected thing that even though the movie is not the best, I literally have a few times I was, and even like before in preparation for us to chat, I like my wife was sitting in my office with me and I was playing it like a podcast, like Ileana Mm. Douglas, just doing this commentary track. What did you think my friend, have you seen it before? Firstly, I'd
0: heard of it, never seen it before. I started watching it and within 15 minutes or less, I was like, I got to listen to the Ileana Douglas commentary <laughs> because, you know, are familiar with her as an actor and a filmmaker? She's such a great character actor. So funny. Uh, but also like, she does a lot of like introductions on TCM. She's like a true like oh, film nerd. So great. she's like, you know, like us, like an expert. When you watch this movie, you're like, she's a freaking expert. Yeah. I'm not even going to put, say like us, she's beyond us, obviously.
1: Uh, and, uh, and, but- and no shit. She's in there quoting, she's quoting stories and apocryphal tales from like Mm. every single biography of every person who's involved in this movie, recollections, interviews, like you can kind of go on, what is the kind of mind besides Thelma Shoemaker of a woman who could like sit at a dinner table and talk movies with Martin Scorsese and like fucking yeah. Ileana Douglas is that like, I'm like she rivals him. Oh my God. Absolutely. I want, I want 20 more imprints. If you don't have someone to do it, like fucking throw it Ileana Douglas's way. Yes. She is so, so good, dude.
0: I would say that it's like the perfect commentary. That's not a filmmaker commentary yeah, because you know, it's so informative but it's also perfect for the deep because I would never describe this commentary as dry.
1: I I, w- I would describe <laughs> that joke as dry. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I'm not known for my dry wits. I'm actually <laughs> one of the wettest comedians that's ever walked the stage <laughs> in Australia. i got one of the wettest wits. Uh, so I think that yeah, I juicy I love it. This the best. This is the best special feature of this audio commentary. It's so funny. It's so informative. It makes the movie better. And I can never imagine ever watching this movie without that audio commentary. No,
1: I was just going to say, like, I watched this movie separate from the audio commentary and then watched it. I've now, like, I've now had it playing multiple times. I wouldn't count it as watches. It's more like the Ileana Douglas movie podcast of podcast, podcasts, hour. Of podcast yeah. hour of the deep behind me but man super informative very funny and like an unexpected treat in in a movie yeah. that in a movie that i like wasn't uh, expecting huge things from because obviously yeah. if you haven't seen it you're kind of like oh I'm, i wonder if it's you know undeniable but man like, like
0: almost every jaws ripoff sucks like we yeah. do know that that's i can almost say that as a fact Every George yeah. movie sucks. The only good ones are probably Tremors and Dark Age, the Australian big crocodile movie. <laughs> yeah. Every other George ripoff sucks shit. Uh, and this is, you know, it falls into that category. But if you're getting the batch, it's worth it because the commentary is good. The movie looks exquisite in exquisite. its in its high-definition format. It looks really great. And then there's a bunch of, like, other great special features on it as well. Like, it's kind of... It's not one that I would buy for the... Like, I wouldn't be buying the whole batch just for this movie. But this is, like, a great bonus inclusion because of the presentation because of the special features
1: and there has been a three hour special edition produced i believe on dvd before this and this is the theatrical version so mm-hmm. it does have some of those other scenes on it but yeah i i agree this is um this is a good one to have up your sleeve um uh, yes. and 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 i would say for any cinephile who just loves to be able to say this sentence, what did you do last night? I listened to Ileana Douglas's commentary track of the deep. Like you want that in your arsenal. If you're like Alexi and I, we love that now. Mm-hmm. And and I'm, I'm going to bank on this. I might listen to this commentary track more than any other commentary track this year. I'm going to like,
0: uh, argue with you. yeah, <laughs> it's I, like, I'll put it on in the other room while I'm cooking
1: and just listen to the, her talking 100%, 100% a Blu-ray in the next room, cooking up, doing something boring, like vacuuming or something like Let's just throw Liana on baby. Let's just do it. Absolutely. Right. Right. What's coming up in March, my good friend. What are we going to talk about after the absolutely loaded bad batch of bad news bears in February? What's coming up in March?
0: Well, in March, you've got a bunch of, I would say these are video store classics for me. And I think that this isn't, Angle that I feel like Imprint will succeed in is bringing these video store classics uh, to the high def era. We've got Richard Dreyfus, let it ride. I know yes. that poster, like the back of my freaking hand. <laughs> I saw it every day. Saw it store. so
1: many times. Very, very enticing on the video store shelf.
0: Absolutely. Then we've got Harrison Ford starring in Mike Nichols and the director the, and the screenwriting debut of JJ Abrams regarding Henry. Wow. Which I never thought I would ever see get a boutique Blu ray release ever never, in my life. Never, never. I could have put millions on this and <laughs> lost them. So thank you so much, Imprint. Then we've got the original Scarface from 1932. Great gangster picture. Just rewatched it. I am so stoked that this is getting a big boutique blue area release. least can't,
1: can't wait to talk to you about this one paul muni uh, an absolute stone cold masterpiece so many films have been influenced by it not only its own remakes but things like the departed yes. particularly can't wait to talk to you about it
0: yeah i can't wait to talk about it with you too and we've got a tale of love throughout time the two worlds of jenny logan never heard of this it sounds awesome we've got the Creature Feature classic, The Mothman Prophecies. Woo! I've never seen it because it scared never seen me it. too much. <laughs> I'm so excited to finally see it. And we've got Paul Walker time-traveling rescue movie timeline.
1: I, I just what what else is there to say except I'm so excited to he- freak you out with Mothman Prophecies and that Paul Walker yeah. timeline there has never been a movie that has tried to be sold to people who walked into a video store more hard than that movie mm. I felt like they kept the poster up for six years like, uh, like yeah. <laughs> it was just up constantly you guys watch Timeline yet you got Paul Walker come on he's g- mm-hmm. gonna be a huge star all pre Fast and the Furious stuff this is great and yeah. I actually wasn't aware that um JJ Abrams wrote regarding Henry, but you know, it makes sense. It just, it's, it's, yeah, it, that's, that's why Harrison Ford had the relationship with him. It's not what you mm-hmm. know, it's who you know, man. That's, uh, that, absolutely. That was a, and that's l- a
0: fun film fact that's never left my <laughs> head in 20 years of my life. I reckon <laughs> I learned that when I was about nine years old. Oh my and God. And it's never left. Once I'd I saw <laughs> Alias for the first time, someone said, that's the guy that did regarding Henry. Never <laughs> left my brain.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Well, that is our March release slate. It's weird. It's cool. It is cult video store era cinema coming at you in the boutique Blu-ray era. Blake Howard, always a pleasure talking with you, my dear friend.
1: Mate, great pleasure talking to you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review, share, imprint, companion. will be popping up in your feeds from February every single month, unpacking DVDs, stripping them down. Mm-hmm. de-slipping them and finding out the facts that Alexi learned when he was nine and sharing them <laughs> with you on this show.
0: Keep spinning those discs, babies.